Hi, my name is Robert McMahon. I'm the Connection Director here at Covenant Church, and I'm thrilled that you're listening. If you're checking us out for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and I'd like to take this chance to invite you to let us know that you're tuning in today. We'd love nothing more than to help you start building meaningful relationships and to join you on the journey of faith. Just go to bgcovenant.org connect and let us know how we can be in touch. With that said, let's dive in and listen together to this week's message. Well, good morning. My name is Nick Gillespie. If you guys don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant Church, and I have the privilege of kind of closing out our series, Covenant 50. Um, we've been kind of going through the series because this is our 50th anniversary, 50 years that Covenant Church has been here doing ministry, walking with the Lord, uh, teaching others about Jesus, and uh, showing them the way that they can have everlasting life in and with Him. And so this series has really been kind of not so much a sort of like just celebrating the past and what we've done, but really how does our past inform our present and our future and like where we're going. And this morning we're going to take a look at community life, that we were started as the fellowship. And the fellowship is a, a group of people that, that were on a mission that held some truth together and that they lived in that truth, they proclaimed that truth, and that we today continue to live in that truth, learn that truth, and proclaim that truth together. Uh, before we kind of get into scripture and all that kind of stuff, I thought I'd play a little fun game. Uh, there's that game, you know, that was then, this is now, I want to play, this is now, that was then. And so let's take a look at some of the differences between 2021 to the early 1970s, and maybe some things that are maybe kind of really similar. So uh, we, I got some images here. We'll start here. 2021, the year of the... We got it, Susie. That was supposed to be anticlimactic. Now! We're working on it. We're working on it. So... There it is. We got it. The Ford Bronco. I'm a Ford guy. I was going to wear my Ford shirt. It just felt a little inappropriate for church, but I thought about wearing it. So uh, Ford Bronco 19, uh, or 2021, just new release. Uh, looks awesome. Super sweet. 1970s was the year of the muscle car, right? So a lot, my dad was a muscle car guy. Um, all kinds. I think that's a Thunderbird, potentially. Um, I don't know. Don't quote me. Uh, all right. So those are kind of cars. Then and now, what else we got? Weddings today, 2021, right there, all right, yep. That's how some of us had our first kiss, not me. Um, and then 1970s wedding, right, yeah, so, so some people remember this. What's with the, the sun hats indoors? That doesn't really make sense to me. So weddings, you know, uh, what else we got here? Women's fashion, the high mid-drift, above-your-belly-button jeans, right? That's kind of coming back in, ladies, so I've been told and then 1970 version with the bell-bottoms. So you just, jeans with bell-bottoms and then the high-waisted jeans, and then this is in the 70s, is kind of put together at the same time. So um, 2021 was the year that, we got it, King Kong and Godzilla fought one another. I mean, I don't, I took my kids to this because it's like, this looks awesome. I mean, Oscar winner right there. And so, but we got the 1970 version Claymation, right? That's Godzilla back in the 1970s. All right, this is my favorite one. All right, guys' hairdo right here. So I don't know anything about modern hairdo. I like to show a lot of skin is what I like to do. 
Um, but, you know, he's got the beard that kind of comes down with this thick hair. You know, it's kind of a little aerodynamic, all that kind of stuff. Um, he's looking super suave. 1971, that guy. That, I Googled this. So Google can be a dangerous thing. So any, I know that there's got to be a guy in here who had this. It's sort of the mutton, trimmed down mutton chops. It almost looks like a pre-mullet is kind of what it looks like. So, or something from Star Trek. Anyways, um, those things are funny. Those things are funny. And yet, like, you know, as you get older, you know, I'm like almost 40. As you get older, you look back and, like, you think about your kids as they're growing up. You're like, man, like, a lot has changed, but not a lot has changed, right? Like, youth is youth, and things are things, and we're into cars, and we're into movies, and, you know, we still love seeing Godzilla blow up huge cities. Like, you know, as people, there's these things that hold and tie us together from, from one generation to the next, from one decade to the next. And we think about the church that from the very beginning for Jesus, when he formed his disciples and he commissioned them with a mission, that that same mission hasn't really changed. That that mission is the thing that has held community, the church community together, that's given its purpose, has given it its focus. And here at Covenant, we, we say it this way, to know Jesus and make him known. And probably in the 1971, when the church started, it wasn't phrased in this way, but the purpose was the same, is to proclaim Christ, to show other people how they can find true life in him. And we will do this to our very dying last breath until Jesus comes again. We, it is recorded in Matthew 28, before Jesus ascended to heaven, he said this. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. This is the mission that, that God has given the church. It is a mission that God has given us. Is the mission that was given to the church in 1971, today, and into the future. Our big idea this morning is this, is that the call of the church, past, present, future, is to be and make disciples. The call of the church, past, present, and future, is to be disciples and make disciples. It's that simple. That doesn't mean it's easy, but it's that simple. Uh, I, I don't think that you need to be like, you know, Go to MIT to be a pastor. I mean, pastors aren't necessarily the brightest light bulbs in the room. I think Pastor Kyle would acknowledge this with me. I mean, <laughs> again, theology can be deep. You know, God's word is rich and deep for sure. But the mission itself is simple, that any man or woman would be able to engage in it and be a part of it, that, that all of us collectively do this in unison together because it's not hard to comprehend. Now, there's some things that get in the way, but it's not hard to comprehend. Uh, so I did take my kids to Godzilla versus uh, King, uh, King Kong, and um, we're about two-thirds of the way through the movie. I'm sitting next to my wife, Allie, and Allie turns to me, and she's like, okay, so if I'm tracking with this, this guy belongs to this organization, this organization is trying to do that, and this guy is trying to do this. Am I getting this right? And I'm like, babe, you are thinking way too hard about this. The, you're, we're just supposed to watch monsters battle each other. I'll sum it up for you. Monster attacks U.S., monsters battle overseas, monsters battle under the earth, monsters then destroy Hong Kong together and then become friends. That's Hong Kong or King Kong versus Godzilla. It's that simple, you know? If you think too hard about it, you're thinking way too hard. And so for us, that's it, right? The call of the church, be disciples and make disciples. However, we do get in our own way, right? Usually we're our greatest stumbling block. My wife was her own greatest stumbling block of enjoying really awesome monster fighting because she's thinking too hard. 
it's right in front of us. And so I'm gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of address some of the ways that we kind of get in our own way here a little bit, okay? And then we're going to kind of take a look at, at the, towards the end of, of, of our time this morning, we're going to take a look at, well, then what do we do? How do we know Jesus and make him known? And I'm going to give you some new terminology, some new language that we're going to begin using here around covenant um, in order to help us folks understand how is it that we make disi- or be disciples and make disciples. I really love this passage in Acts. I love this passage in Acts, Acts chapter 11. It says this about the early church. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen uh, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word of the Lord. I just realized that I'm reading a different version that's on yours. Sorry. I'm going to re-say this again. Meanwhile, the believers who have been scattered during the persecution of Stephen's death travel as far as, as, far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Now, there's a lot of situational things happening here in this story found in Acts. I just want to draw your attention to what I had highlighted and italicized in the, in the text. It's that the author Luke is saying this, anyone at any point in time, can make disciples. Anyone at any point in time can make disciples. There's a bunch of no-name people here, the believers, some men and women, they, them. They're the ones that went. Because of this persecution, as they were scattered, they went, and they proclaimed Christ in his power, and people believed, and their lives were radically changed. There was no hot shot like one of the 12 named disciples you know, there was no famous pastor with a thousand, you know, a hundred thousand Twitter followers. It was just some people who were faithful to live out the mission of God. And we too are those same people, no-name people, that are called to live out the mission of God and make disciples. I was very blessed, I think, early in my time of being a disciple. I was about 18 years old when I began to really walk with the Lord. And I was meeting with a guy he's like, hey, you want to get serious about Jesus? I said, I said, yes, I want to get serious about Jesus. He's like, all right, let's read through the book of John. I'd never read through the book of the Bible at all, you know. And so, you know, I, we start reading John together. I'm like one week in. So I like read my three or five chapters. We met the very next week, and we kind of go over some things. And he said, okay, why don't you start a Bible study? I'm like, I'm three chapters into reading the Bible, and you want me to start a Bible study? Like, are you loony? You're like, I can bring my friends to you, and you can teach them. He's like, no, you do it. And so I did. I just began to ask my friend. I'm like, I'm reading through John. You want to read with me? And so my friends began to get together. And we just began to read through John together. Like, it was not hard. It wasn't rocket science. I just did what this guy told me to do. I had relationships. I had influence. And I just asked people to come and join me in it. it for all of us, I don't know about you, but sometimes we think that we've got to have a master's degree in theology. We've got to have a certain title or role. We've got to be an elder or a leader or a deacon or a community group leader or something like that. And God has gifted some people in that way with those types of gifts and abilities and skills. And yet all of us in our own way are called to make disciples. Any one of us are called to do it. We do have different skills and gifts to offer. We do it as a body. We do it collectively together. But all of us are to be engaged. Secondly, this passage tells us that any point in time, any point in time, you see, inconvenience is not an alibi for failure to join the mission of Christ. Inconvenience is not an alibi for the failure to join the mission of Christ. The Bible doesn't give us that permission. 
This is the first martyrdom after Jesus. The church is beginning to get some legs underneath itself. It's starting to kind of establish some, some leadership structure here. They're delegating responsibilities. And all of a sudden, Stephen is dragged in front of the courts. He proclaims Jesus, and because of his proclamation of Jesus, is stoned to death in public. That is traumatizing if you're a believer. That is devastating. And obviously, they, they were scared. They left. They fled their homes. They fled Jerusalem, north, south, east, and west. And yet, even though they fled, they still proclaimed Jesus. As they placed themselves in different places, they continued to worship Christ and invite other people to experience Christ and continue to live. Do we imagine that the 1970s is any less chaotic than 2020 and 2021 have been? It's been a little bit of disruption, right? Our lives have been mildly disruptive over the past 18 months, you know? And, and it's true. You know, there's been a lot of fear and a lot of worry and a lot of doubt that we've individually had to wrestle with as a church we've had to wrestle with. We've had to change our strategies. We have changed some of the ways that we did things in regards to getting together and how do we spread the word of Christ. But that doesn't mean that we stop. We're never to stop. We're always to press in and say, God, how are you going to be faithful through us? How do we engage our culture with where we are today? Chaos is not an excuse to lay it down or to wait or think that there's better timing because there's not. The 1970s, I, again, I Googled this because I wasn't alive back in the 1970s, but there's crazy stuff, right? There's the Vietnam War, and there's the Vietnam War protests that were, uh, that were going on. Uh, there was um, the sexual revolution. Uh, there was a Cold War that, like, was looming. There was the energy crisis, and the Beatles broke up. I mean, these were devastating things, and we have devastating things today, too, right? Devastating things. Social justice, you know, all around us. There's these different places where there are things that our culture, our church struggles with. And yet, again, we are to proclaim Christ. We don't take a break. We don't back off. We don't think that the timing is better later. The time is now. It is always right now. So a third way that we can get into our own way. The first way is that we kind of discount ourselves, but nope, it's all of us. Sometimes we think our situation can discount us. No, our situation is always now. God is faithful. Thirdly, we can kind of get lost in other pursuits. We can kind of drift a little bit. The issue for the church is that we can start off in a good direction, and then we get distracted by other pursuits. We can start in a good direction, and then we get distracted by other pursuits. Uh, back in the late 90s, I joined my first gym. I was probably like in later high school and I wanted to kind of pump some iron. I wanted to look big, you know, get some gains, all that kind of stuff. And this is right in the kind of late 90s where you begin to kind of have like the, like the more like fancy gym where you have like all the added amenities. It wasn't just sort of like some, you know, basement with like poorly dim lidded like room with like some like weights to push around and stuff like that. You know, it was like kind of the fancy gym where you could also like go and like get a tan you can get your nice protein, yummy protein shake afterwards. That was like $5.95. And so I kind of joined one of these gyms. And if you can imagine, I didn't. I was focused. I was going to get like big is what I was going to get, you know. Um, so, but I was focused. But I could have, I could have, and you saw plenty of people do this. When you show up at the gym, you're like, man, I'm, I'm more into getting tan and drinking the shakes than I am the working out, you know. I show, I show up to get healthy, but really, I really am kind of into the amenities. The amenities is kind of what I'm all about. And within the church, we can get into that. We find all the other different amenities. They're good. They're fine. 
They're good things. And yet that's not the primary purpose that you show up at a gym. You show up to like get swole, you know? <laughs> Duncan, you know what I mean. Um, if this is our mission to know Jesus and make him known, we have to be ruthless at saying this is the main thing. This is what we're primarily about. And yes, this, this mission filters out into our relationships and how do we deal with, again, social justice issues and how do we raise our children and how do we engage local schools and stuff like that. But sometimes as Christians, we can all of a sudden begin to think that it's about like voicing my opinion about a certain thing over social media, or I think it's about having a certain bandwagon topic that that's the thing that I'm really going to focus in on and my voice is going to be about. You know, I'm going to like kind of take this on or like take that on. And honestly, a lot of believers, we lose our character, we throw our morality like out the door because we get so focused on this particular topic that we lose sight of the fact that Jesus called us to be his disciple and to make disciples. And again, they engage all parts of our life, but these amenities don't come before the primary purpose of why we're here. So how do we do it? How do we actually make disciples? What does this actually look like? And uh, I, I want to introduce you to some new terminology um, that I'm hoping particularly will kind of take root at the community group level, the small group level within our church. You know, I've, I've been in discipleship ministry for a long time. Prior to coming to Covenant, I was on staff with Crew, and I served here at BGSU and then overseas. And I've been part of a lot of different churches, really wrestling with how do you disciple other people. And trying to grab a hold of some terminology that's that's specific enough that it kind of gives you a target that you're aiming for while also being general enough to be adaptable to people's personalities and seasons of life and what generation they are. You know, I was trying to grab a hold of something where I can say or we can say as a church, like, hey, when I think about making disciples, what am I doing in someone's life? What am I hoping to instill in them? And as I think about myself as a disciple, what am I expecting of myself? Where am I expecting to engage my person? How am I expecting to walk and travel this path. And so I've got kind of four things here. They all begin with that. So it's alliteration. You'll be able to remember, remember short and sweet, you know. Number one, growing in friendship with God. The primary reason that God has made us is that we would be in relationship with him. But to grow in friendship with him, Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This is why we live. It's to love God understand how he loves us and to be in friendship with us. In the movie Jerry Maguire, uh, his wife comes to him um, and she says, we've got, a, we've got a problem. And he pulls up his chair and he's like, all right, I'm a good problem solver. What's, what's the issue? And she basically is like, you don't love me. You're into our kids, you're into our work, and you're into the lifestyle that we have, but you don't really love me. You're not really in to me. And he's like, well, I don't, I don't know if I'm built that way. I don't know if I'm made that way. I think I'm made to do all these other things. And yes, I like you and I want to make life with you, but I don't know if I'm built to like be into you. She's like, well, I'm not built that way. I'm built to be married to someone that's into me. So for us as believers, we're to be into God. We're to be really into him, to understand the extent of the love of Christ for us to understand who he is, to grow in appreciation. And there is lots of wrestling and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of this growing in this area has to do with how do we experience God? How do we know who he is and what he's like? How do we know ourselves and how do we relate to him? How do we communicate with him? How do we listen? How do we obey? How do we follow? How do we enjoy him? There's a lot there. 
But that's what it's about. One, that we grow as friends with God. When we get together in community groups, we're there that we would help each other grow as friends of God. That's why we're here this morning, that we would help each other grow as friends with God. Number two, experiencing fellowship with other people. That's covenant started as the fellowship. It's about relationships with others. We're not made just as individuals. We're made as a community. We're corporate. And I like this word fellowship here rather than friendship because, you know, you don't necessarily like everyone in your family. Maybe you do. And this is just me. But there's something about being family that goes beyond friendship. There's a loyalty there. There's a commitment there in family that isn't quite there just in friendship. Families also have a thing that they're about. There's a central truth that they share together. The beauty of family is that, man, when you're at your worst, your family is beside you. No matter how bad your decision has been, no matter what you've done to wreck your life, your family doesn't leave. They're the first ones to give you back and to support you in any way that they can, and they're there for the long haul, right? Family is there for the long haul. Yeah, some of the hard things about family is that we can't pull one over on them. They know what we're really like. We can't fake it. You know, we can't pretend that we're something that we're not because they see all facets of who we are. Some of our family members just, they drive us insane. And I think we would admit that here at Covenant. You know, we're not saying that everyone that you come here in this church, or even in your community group, is someone that's going to, like, make you feel warm and fuzzy. Relationships are challenging. Family relationships, you have to kind of go beyond yourself to figure out how do you appreciate and enjoy someone. And yet, that's the beauty of, of fellowship when we're trying to create here at Covenant, is that we're family together. So we grow in friendship with God. Second, we experience fellowship with others. Thirdly, we engage in formative practices. All over Scripture, it speaks to the fact that we're being made, being made, this continual process into the image of Christ. It's not overnight. It doesn't happen all at once. We never arrive. It's kind of part of the process of being conformed into his image. Why do we want to know Jesus? We want to become more like him. You see, our bent as human beings, our bent is not godliness. Our bent as humans is worldliness and selfishness. If you have a five-year-old, you know what I mean. Our bent is godliness and worldly, or sorry, our bent is not godliness, it's worldliness and selfishness. And so in order to become godly, it takes practice. It takes time to form ourselves. Uh, I don't know anything about opera singing. I just imagine watching some opera singers that it's really intense, and that you don't just wake up one morning and just kind of belt opera in the shower, right? Like, you probably have to, like, go through some rigorous training to be able to sing opera. I called my friend Jackie, who's a trained opera singer. I said, how do I become an opera singer? She said, Nick, you can never become an opera singer. But, <laughs> but there are some that can. She said, you got to understand this. Opera singing is singing with your whole body. It's your whole person. She said, you've got to learn how to control your breath and your diaphragm. You've got to understand the different minute techniques with how do you form your mouth in order to create the sounds you want to create. You've got to understand dictation and enunciation, singing different languages. You've got to understand characterization because you're playing a role and a part in becoming that person on stage. She says, as an opera singer, you never arrive. But you continue to practice diligently becoming that character, becoming that person in the same way for us, we engage in these practices that over time we would become God's children. We would look like him. So growing in friendship with God, experiencing fellowship with others, engaging in formative practices, and lastly, we evidence the fruit of the Spirit. This is completely passive, but we evidence the fruit of the Spirit. 
Trees don't work hard to bear fruit, right? If they're a healthy tree, they bear fruit. And what we would say, and what Scripture is what really says this, is that if you are spiritually healthy, you bear fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's in Galatians 5. And actually, our, our sermon series that we're going to go to very next week, that Pastor Kyle will introduce, to, introduce us to, is specifically the, the kind of connection between fruit of the Spirit and formative practices. How do those things come together? But we bear this fruit of, this, of the Spirit. As we walk with God, as we're in fellowship with one another, as we're learning how to love Him, we're taking on formative practices, we're going to evidence more of the character of God, all right, that's found in Galatians 5. We should celebrate these things along the way. You know, as you look at yourself a year ago to today, these fruits should be more evident. Five years ago, you shouldn't look the same that you do today. These fruits should be more evident. And when we're in community with one another, we can help point these things out and celebrate these things, the changes and transformations that we see with one another. It's a beautiful thing. And if I don't evidence the fruit of the Spirit, I'll analyze here a little bit. If I'm not a more gentle person now than I was 10 years ago, what is going on? What of the gospel in the life of Christ am I missing? And might I make some adjustments in the context of community? And so this is kind of the whole package. How do we be a disciple? How do we make disciples? We grow in friendship with God. We experience fellowship with one another. We engage in formative practices. And then we're going to evidence the fruit of the Spirit. We do this together. I want to conclude with uh, this last photo, which Pastor Kyle had showed, uh, shared on uh, social media earlier this week. It's a group of young men and women who are praying for this very grounds that we're on right now. They had just purchased it with the expectancy of God fulfilling his promise of bringing the nations to himself. And that covenant would be one of the manifest manifestations of a gospel community, people who really love God and share that love with other people. Before this building was here and the parking lots were here and we were here, they prayed and they sacrificed and they fell in love with Jesus and they shared it with other people. And that baton is now passed to us today in 2021. That baton is in our hands. We are fruit of these men and women and their sacrifices and their genuine walks with Jesus. And now we have the opportunity to do the same. That 50 years from now, looking building, it's about the men and women that will fill this room who love Jesus, have been radically transformed, and God calls us to be a part of that work. So would we join him? Would you close with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, you are so faithful. You're so faithful. I mean, God, we can imagine that there's a hundred different ways, probably better ways that you could have made your name known, made yourself famous on this earth, rather than using a group of ragtag, motley crew that is Covenant Church. And yet, you've transformed us. You've shown us your love. You've made us renewed and new. God, you've commissioned us. This commission is great, greater than we're able to do on our own. And so we ask, God, would you fill us? Would you empower the work of our hands and our hearts, God? Would you, would you keep us true to the mission of knowing you and making you known? That we might be able to celebrate with you in all of eternity the lives that have been changed and will be changed through this fellowship. We ask this in your name. Heavenly Father, amen.
Hi again. Just a reminder to let us know that you're listening by heading over to bgcovenant.org connect. If you're ready to be known, we'd love to know you. And we hope you'll join us soon, every Sunday, in person or online. Thanks for listening.